like I said, you had to work. You have to have a cooking job in order to go to school. So I worked at the tower, and I just fell in love with how strict it was, mm -hmm. but how crazy it was. Yeah. Right. And how fast you had to be, and how it was just just you. Like everybody had to be fast. San Antonio Restaurants has created an ultimate foodie cruise taking place February 2024 on the magnificent Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady cruise ship out of Miami. We have partnered with the Tiki Travel Planner LLC for all the logistics, and they have some huge discounts just for us. The link to the foodie cruise is on the San Antonio Restaurants Facebook page or message Alan directly. Welcome to The More You Know, The Better It Tastes, where we explore the backstory to some of the best restaurants and chefs in South Texas. Today on the podcast, Tattoo Herrera, owner of Folklore's Coffee House. And now here's your host from San Antonio Restaurants, Alan Williams and Susie Lafredo. Welcome back to The More You Know, The Better It Tastes. We're the podcast from San Antonio Restaurants, and we are broadcasting from the beautiful Peachtree Rose Marketing Studio. This is a wonderful place to be and happy to be here. Right now, my sidekick, Susie Lafredo, is not with me today. She had to take some time off, which uh, we'll miss her, and we we'll, can't wait to get her back here again. But so for today... You'll get me, but not just me. You'll also get Chef Joel Tattoo Herrera. So, Tattoo, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, excited to. I'm really, really excited to have you. You know, you have you've got such a great story, and I want to learn all about you. And uh, you just got a lot going on. So, you know, Tattoo owns Folklores Coffee House at 1526 East Grayson Street. That's they call it Government Hill, right? Yeah. At Grayson Street area, that's where everything's happening. That's, you're in the middle of the universe, and it wasn't there before you you moved in there. Yeah, it was just me for gonna take a couple the, of years. You're going to take the, the credit for that? Oh, yeah. Everyone's got <laughs> like, I got to be next to Tattoo. So I was like, that's true. <laughs> of course. Well, that's a great coffee house. Now, you used to have one on the south side, too, but yes. you closed that during COVID, I think, yes. right? Yeah, okay. during COVID, we had ended up closing that one, and somehow, some way, we kept on trucking along. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we want to learn about that. So, uh, Tattoo, I guess let's start with that. Where'd that name come from? Such a cool name. No one forgets that name. Yeah, uh, well, when I went to culinary school, um, you have to work in a restaurant. My first restaurant I worked for was uh, Ice Over Texas, which is at the Tower. Okay. And I was the shortest guy on the line. <laughs> and all the guys were like, hey, you remind me of the guy from Fantasy Island, Tattoo. Oh, wow. So, like, they would call me Tattoo. And the culinary scene in San Antonio is small, so wherever I went to go work, there was someone that knew me. And they're like, oh, it's tattoo. Fast forward like 15 years, uh, you know, I'm the chef de cuisine for the Grand Hyatt, and people call me tattoo. So my boss, you know, the executive chef, so like he figured out that was my name. So my email was tattoo. <laughs> so it just stuck. So, wow. you know, and people that know me, like know me, know me, you know, it's Joel, you know, but that's how people gauge. Like that's how my employees gauge, like when people ask for me or my oh, wife. Okay. Yeah. So well, I, I, yeah, well, now like, you're letting the secret out. So yeah. now all the crowds know. Yeah, yeah, so like when bill collectors come, I'm all like, did he ask for tattoo or did he ask for Joel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too great. So tattoo, for those young people listening, tattoo was from uh, Fantasy Island. It was a show back in, the, I guess, the 80s, right? Yes. 
and uh, had a little little short guy, and uh, he was the sidekick, and they called him Tattoo. Well, I'm glad to hear that because uh, I was I always do research on my guests, yeah. and when I looked it up, uh, the t- Portuguese word for armadillo is tattoo. Well, I'm gonna shave up an armadillo. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, you're not named after Armadillo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. So where did you come from? Are you from San Antonio? Yes. Um, actually, um, we traced our family back, geez, like maybe 300 years. My great, 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 great grandfather is uh, one of the defenders of the Alamo once again. Wow. So, yeah, so we found this out maybe like eight, nine years ago. So we're real big into our family history. We've been here in Texas forever we're original Tejanos mm-hmm. uh, we also trace our family back all the way to the Canary Islands so oh, okay. yeah, yeah so, the Canary Islanders are the original San Antonians yeah, yeah. so we're like one of the original uh, families and uh, for us it's a big deal you know we take sure. that big and you know I always tell people that if you don't know anything about your family it's really cool to you know do some research because you start realizing like this is there's a bigger picture to who I am mm-hmm. you know and I can't I kind of think that when I found that out I felt I had to do a lot with my life because I come from such a big name. That's you know? fascinating. And I and so I tell my, my I have two sons and I tell them the same thing like, you know, you know your great 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 grandfather did a lot, you know, and we had to keep on going, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why that's what I do, you know, and a lot of times when I'm scared to do things, I just do it. And I think of the sacrifices he did, you know, and if I was in the shoes, would I do the same thing? You know? Wow, that's that's really amazing. Do you, uh, you know, I, I guess when you go to the Alamo, it, it means a little bit more to you. Yeah, and then it's like there's all different sides of the story of the Alamo, mm-hmm. right? There's like the American story, there's the Mexican story, you know, and it's kind of like you you like you read between the lines, and like my uncle that does all the all the research on the family, you know, we have he has all his collection of books and mm-hmm. all this stuff that's been passed down from generation to generation. And it's so cool to see because a lot of stuff isn't in history books. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's kind of like, yo, when after it was done, you know, America, uh, the Texans didn't like us because we're Mexicanos. So then we went to Mexico, and then Mexico was like, oh, you're traitors. You know, we came back. They burned this house down. Like, it's crazy. Like, wow. Yeah, so it's one of those stories. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, my lineage. And to me, it's a big deal. So, like, Folklores, what we named it was... You know, we want to name it after something. We want it to mean something. And for my wife and I, you know, stories of our families are a huge deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just our families, anyone's family. You know, stories are passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, San Antonio has a very unique story, you know, and how San Antonio was, was you know, was formed. And, you know, all the cool stuff that San Antonio has to offer, you know. And that's kind of how we named Folklores, Folklores, you know, because it's folklore. You know, and we always think it's funny because my wife and I, we love like scary stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to us that most of those, all those scary stories all started on the south side of San Antonio. And that's, <laughs> that's where we live. And that's where we lived, you know. And when we opened our first uh, location was on the south side, you know. Yeah. And uh, but, yeah, that's kind of like who I am. And, you know, I was born into, you know, we're, 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 we're Tejanos and uh, I was born in a house, you know, I was, and there's I have seven siblings. You know, so whenever my mom's back hurts or her legs, she's always like, it's because of you kids. I had, I had <laughs> She's probably home. right. Yeah, we're always like, okay, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of uh, where I'm from. I'm from here. Yeah, you know? and, and your wife, she's also from Yeah, her? yeah, she's from here. Um, her, 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 um, her mother passed when she was three from cancer. So the oh. dad 
The dad raised them for a bit, and then the grandmother raised them for the rest. Uh, there's four girls. They all went to college. They all, you know, career-oriented. You know, and it's crazy to see a lady who retired, had to come out of retirement to raise these girls. And they all went to private school, mm-hmm. good education, all that kind of stuff, you know, and she struggled to do this because she wanted the best for them. Yeah. You know. That's a great story. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. Wow. And so coming out, when did you first work at a uh, at a restaurant? How did you, when did you know you thought you wanted to be in the food business? And it's crazy because uh, my mom, my mom didn't graduate high school. She she uh, was a um, a migrant worker with my grandparents. They would they would migrate from here to Columbus, Ohio, and they would work. They would they would move back and forth. Mm-hmm. And when my parents divorced, she worked for a church here in San Antonio, and she cooked for all the priests here. Oh. She actually worked in a, in a, at, a, at a church, and it was crazy because I remember going from – I went to Memorial High School on the west side. So I would cross the street. There's a church called Holy Rosary Parish, mm-hmm. and that's where she worked. And I remember being there, and she would go to the library and check out books, uh, these cookbooks on how to cook, like, Irish food or whatever it was because all these priests weren't from here. Yeah, they you weren't. Know? And yeah. at that time, I didn't know that she was building this foundation of cooking for me, you know, and throughout throughout – Jeez, and so my late 20s, I always found food fascinating, but not fascinating enough for me to do anything about it. Okay. You know, like I would read stuff or, you know, my youngest brother, what he would say, he took a, like a home ec class, you know, and he was making, I remember he was making like a borderlay sauce and I was like, what are you making? He's like, you don't understand. You don't know food. Oh. You know, and being the oldest, I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, you don't talk to me like that. Yeah. But I never knew anything. And then I remember when this... um it was a school called the CFA. Now it's the CIA here in San Antonio. Sure. They were accepting applications. And one of my friends was kind of like, you know what, Tattoo? You, well, Joel, you know, like, you know what? You always talk about cooking. You should apply for it. Just see, maybe they'll take you. And they were only they were only taking like 20 people. It was a small class. And did you say you were already in your 20s by then? I was in my late 20s. Late 20s. Yeah, like, I was, jeez, wow. I was thinking like 27, 28, you know? And then um, everyone else was real young. And uh, but like I said, I've never been the the kind to be scared to do things, mm-hmm. which is a good thing and a bad thing, you know. Because <laughs> it could be a bad thing. Yeah, I and uh, I got picked to go to that school, yeah. and but I've always been a class clown, you know. So when I was there, I was kind of like I was taking it serious, but not too serious either. Okay. So I was always like in trouble. I was always <laughs> like that. But like I said, you had to work. You have to have a cooking job in order to go to school. So I worked at the tower, and I just fell in love with how strict it was, mm-hmm. but how crazy it was, Yeah, right, and how fast you had to be, and how it was just, just you, like everybody had to be fast. So did you, were you working under a good chef? Uh, at that time, yes. At that time, I uh, he was the first chef I ever worked for. Mm-hmm. So I envisioned this is what chefs are supposed to be like. You know, we have a pre-shift, and he would – take out his little dictionary and his thesaurus, and he would write what the special was. And he had a cool story. This fish was found, whatever. You know, came up, his name was Dwayne. You know, he made this this thing, and all the servers would be there, all the cooks would be there. You know, talk about it. Hey, whoever sold the most, you got 100 bucks to go home with, you mm-hmm. know? And then uh, I was the new guy, so I was thrown into Saute, which is a three-man station. And, you know, we do two or 300 covers a, a night, easy. You know, and it was just go you know and i remember being yelled at like the first like month you know who made this i'm gonna fire you you're embarrassing they got the cooks next to me no don't even talk to me 
you know, and going to culinary school and, and going to culinary school and be like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, but the more I did it, the more I realized that I, I started to like get the, the, like get the hang of it. I started understanding more, you know, and from there it just grew. Like I could work any station and then pressure wasn't a thing because I was all like getting yelled at. It's easy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I was asking about if, if it was a good chef because I, I, I'm not in the food industry, mm -hmm. you know. I'm just a guy that likes to eat. But from what I've seen and learned, some chefs, it's always going to be chaos back in, in the kitchen. But a good chef, man, everyone's working. Everyone knows their role. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets it done. Everyone is – it's orga, it's organized chaos, Yes, I guess. I, I always think of Caesar, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at Sangria on the Berg. You know, he, he's a fantastic leader. Yeah, and so you've got to be a good leader as a as a chef. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what we had. Be and even the sous chefs were great, you know. And it was one of those things where I've worked for chefs where chefs were just in the office all day, or yeah. they only worked the mornings. You know, Dwayne wasn't. Dwayne was there the whole time, so if he was there. All the sous chefs had to be there, you know. And it was and it was and it was cool. The cool part was that if we were too busy. The sous chefs would get in line with us, mm -hmm. you know, and they would rock out with us. So it was one of those things where I'm very fortunate that my first job was at a place like that where everything was a la minute but it was also like you know we have 300 it's the tower so like everyone wants to go there yeah and have dinner at the revolving restaurant mm -hmm. you know and it was one of the best experiences because i made so many friends but i also realized that's what i wanted to do with my life yeah that's that's really really cool how long did you work at there work oh there? man uh i was there at eyes over texas and then they became Chart House. And then when Chart House started, they opened up uh, the Hyatt. And then that's when I applied at the Hyatt. And I got this is the Grand Hyatt. The, the Grand Hyatt. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I was probably there like maybe like two years around there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then the Grand Hyatt opened. And then um, I remember being like, I remember my one of my friends was all like, you should apply because they have crazy benefits, all this kind of stuff. I had a mm -hmm. family at the time. So I applied and. You know, when I applied, they hired me as like a cook too, which is like the bottom of the totem pole. Totem pole. Okay. And uh, everyone, they a lot of the guys they hired were like, like cook fours, which is kind of like before you become a supervisor. And then when that happened, a lot of us that got hired had crazy knowledge already, and we we're all cook ones, cook twos, and the cook fives were like from like Bill Miller's or like mm. fast food places, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of them were just really good talkers. Yeah. So when it came down to it, and we were like, you know, doing stuff. You know, those guys just fell apart, and it was just, for us in the beginning, it was real hard because it was kind of like you're supposed to be above us and, like, show us the way yeah, when it was the opposite. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yes. And so um, at what point did you decide, okay, I still love cooking, but I don't really want to be at that type of a restaurant, and you went coffee shop route. You know, that, that was a big yeah. change. So it was crazy because the Grand Hyatt has a yearly competition, and it's, I forget what it's called, but they, what they do, it's like regional competition. And then once you beat that regional competition, then you go against someone from across the country, across the, across the world. Cause Hyatt's worldwide. So, uh, I was, I went blank. I was thinking of the name. What's called like the great taste or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I went against some guys, uh, in the South against Texas, uh, Georgia, all these States. And I ended up winning. So then my next competition was in New Mexico. And when that happened, one of my friends got picked to go cook at the James Beard House. Nice. And he was all like, hey, do you want to go with me? I got to take a group of guys. And I was like, yes. 
you know, it's a once in a <laughs> what lifetime. What a dream, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told my boss, and I was like, hey, chef, I need to, I need to take these days off. I got to go. And he was like, you can't take those days off. Like, we need you. And, and I, mind you, I've been at the height. At that time, I was there for 13 years. And I was all like, I really got to go. This is a once in a lifetime thing. You know, and he was like, Dude, it's impossible. We're so busy and stuff. So I put, yeah, I was like, I'm going to put my two weeks. And he's like, you're not going to put your two weeks. You just won that competition. I'm going to another one, right? And uh, he's like, we need you. And I was like, I, I can't. So I ended up, I, told, I talked to my wife, and I was all like, hey, Emily, I'm going to have to put my two weeks in. And she's all, and I was like, I have a lot of 401k. Not a lot, but I have 401k that we could, like, like sit on, mm-hmm. and I'll figure out whatever my move is. And she's all, yeah, she's all, if you're about it and you want to do this, I support you. James Beard is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. So I ended up quitting. But I went to that last competition, and I lost by half a point. Mm. And I didn't want to know. I ended up losing. I was like, oh, that's cool. No worries. I don't even going to work for this company anymore. And then one of the judges is all like, we loved you. You want to know your score? And I go, I don't want to know my score because I will just I'll dwell. <laughs> and he's like, you lost by half a point. And uh-huh. I was like, oh. Uh-huh. Right? So, But it's crazy. All those guys, we became really good friends, and we're still good friends to this day. Yeah. But we go, life goes on. I go cook at the James Beard house. We come back to San Antonio. We live on the south side. And I have money saved, and I'm all like, you know what? I'm opening up a restaurant, and you know we're we're gonna go write a business plan. And Emily's Emily's a real big coffee drinker. I, at that time, I didn't drink any coffee. Emily's all, let's go get some coffee and so go write, figure out what we want to do. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing on the south side. Yeah. At that time, there was a Starbucks. Yeah, I think Starbucks at Military and yeah. 35. Is yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. So then uh, I have a big following on social media, and I was kind of like, hey, what's your favorite coffee shop on the south side? And everyone's all Starbucks. There's nothing. So then we're kind of like, you know what? Needs to be. We Needs to, to change that. There has to be a coffee shop. Yeah. You know, and at that time, we, you know, when you first open your business, you don't know what a lot, what rent, what a lot of rent is, right? So our rent was $800, which is nothing. At that time, I was all like, man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> How am I going to make $800? Mm. You know, I had no experience in coffee, didn't even like coffee, you know, and. You know, I invited a lot of people that I knew that knew coffee to come and teach me, kind of. Okay. You know, my equipment that I brought was world, like, you know, second generation, stuff like that. And I just went real chef style. Like, I know flavors, so I went real big and, you know, crazy ideas, stuff that people were kind of like, what the hell is that? Yeah, but that's fun. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we were the first one on the south side, and then we ended up getting a lot of support. And it would, and then it got weird for me because in the culinary scene, pretty much we're all really good with each other, good friends. We're real tight with each other. Mm-hmm. I could lean on someone if I need to. I could call somebody. And the coffee scene was kind of different because I was going to try to talk to people that were in the coffee scene, and they were kind of standoffish. I've made some friends here and there, but it was real different for me. You know, I was used to being able to, hey man, I have a problem. Hey, I, what is this? You know, and with coffee, it's kind of like yo, it's a secret. You know, <laughs> and. I've always been under the influence that coffee's real subjective, kind of like wine and beer, you know, where some mm. people like it, some people don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, these are my flavor profiles. These are the ones I don't like. Yeah. Coffee's the same way, right? I like these flavors, not, you know. So I was, I was always like, okay, let's do that and this. But that's how we started, and somehow we grew, we grew momentum, and, 
you know, we did really well our first year. Right, you got a lot of good press. A lot of good press, yeah. I think by opening on the South Side is what did it. You yeah, know? and then, like, no one really knew what a coffee shop was on the South Side. Uh-huh. So we had people that come in, and they would be like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a coffee shop. And they're like, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, what do I do here? Yeah, what do I do? And I'm like, what's the coffee? And I'm like, well, I have coffee at home. I'm like, uh, yeah, but this is what we do. Yeah. You know, and it was the first. And, you know, we had crazy hours. I would open, I wouldn't close until, like, 9 o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. we have bands that played. I did whatever it took for us to survive, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, and that's kind of what we did. I still had no idea. I would visit so many coffee shops, uh-huh. right? And, I'm in, and I kept on thinking to myself, man, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, I love coffee, but I, I've never been a coffee shop guy. I don't, I, don't, I didn't just go to the coffee shop and sit there and do, you know, take my laptop mm-hmm. or whatever. But just recently, I've done it a couple of times and I get it. It's mm-hmm. really cool. It's a play, it's a great place. You know, you got people around you, but you know, most some people are chatting, some people are doing work, some people are, you know, just playing on their phone or whatever. But everyone's there just relaxing and it's nice to have, you know, there's some pastries usually of yeah. some type and uh, or something. It's really cool. Well, we're gonna take a break here and go to a commercial and then we'll be back and learn some more about Tattoo Herrera. Be right back. Hey, Susie, I keep hearing all about this San Antonio restaurant goal app, and I know it's a wonderful thing, but tell me more. Oh, my gosh. It is, I have to say, it is the best club out there. If you're a foodie, (laughs) if you like to eat, if you like to go to restaurants, then this is the club that you need to join. So we've actually teamed up with local restaurants around San Antonio. Local restaurants is where you're going to find the love and the passion and all mm-hmm. of the good stuff that comes with what you're being served. You have the scratch kitchens. You know, many of them are chef-driven. It, it's just, it's where you need to go. And it helps the local economy when you eat local. And I know a lot of people are nervous because, you know, you're thinking, man, I'd love to eat local, but I don't know where to go. Where to go. And I don't know what to order, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. good, what's, it, which one's good. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. So we have taken all the guesswork out, and we've actually partnered with, at this point, about 75-plus restaurants. Um, and we have new ones that are being added all the time but these are restaurants that we have been to these are restaurants that we stand behind these are restaurants that our group has actually buzzed about and said Mm -hmm. you need to go here um the restaurants do not pay to be involved that's important people to know it really is yeah because i mean these are restaurants we truly love Mm -hmm. and that's why they're gold approved is because we love these restaurants so we already know that when you go you're going to have a great experience you're going to eat some great food well anyhow so we have deemed these restaurants as gold approved Mm-hmm. And then the restaurants actually turned around. And if you're a Gold Club member, you can go into that restaurant and you can receive an amazing perk. So you can receive a discount on your food. In some cases, you can receive a buy one, get one free. You can receive, um, for example, if you go in and buy two entrees, you can receive a free appetizer. Just things that are special because you are a VIP Gold Club member. That's and right. it's only $8.88 to be a member. Mm-hmm. And you can actually go to as many restaurants as you want that mm-hmm. are involved in the gold club um, and during the month and i think right now there's about 75 heading towards 80 quickly because we're adding new restaurants all the Absolutely. time but there's and, about 75 restaurants right now easily easily over a thousand dollars worth of savings in the gold club so oh, it's a lot of savings in there yeah so you could go out to eat pretty much all the time and you can save money when you go out to eat and it's really really simple to join so mm-hmm. all you have to do is go to the app store it's either the google play or the app store if you have an apple phone just type in san antonio restaurants and then download the app it's a free app the app is really cool it's a resource in itself because you can find our podcast 
podcast, our magazine. Um, there's a foodie map. There's all kinds of, you can, all of our different um, Facebook groups and all that good stuff are all on there. But then you can join the Gold Club right there in the app. And then anytime you want to use it, you just pull out your phone, scroll through, decide what restaurant you want to go to, pull up the perk that you want to use, and then go in and enjoy yourself and save some money or get something free and yeah, yeah it's and then and then not only that once you're a gold club member you also get invited to some special events that are really cool some maybe really a, cool a grand events. opening that only gold club members are invited to or just a special night yeah. to honor gold club members so Absolutely. there's lots of things like that soon there'll be some classes possibly yes uh, from different restaurants so yep. lots of good things to do if you're a gold member yes only, and Oh, 888 a month. I mean, people, people spend that for one cup of coffee exactly. sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you'll, you'll literally make that money back the very first time you use the app. Yeah. Well, that's so. fantastic. And eat local. And eat local. There you right. go. All right. Thank you. You convinced me. I'm going to join. Join. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we are back. This is the more you know, the better it tastes. We are a podcast from San Antonio Restaurant Group. And today we have Chef Tattoo Herrera. And he's going to talk all about some of the things of that uh, with his folklorist coffee house and just how he got to where he is today. So, Chef, so you had your Southside coffee shop, and then at some point uh, you decided you opened a second location, right? And where's the second location is on Government Hill on Grayson Street. Yes. That's at uh, 1526 East Grayson. And so you now you have two shops. There's only one of you. Yes. How did you work that out? Uh I had no idea. I would go back and forth. Um, luckily, I hired, at this time when I opened my second location, I knew, all right, I have to hire trained baristas. And I found out that if I hire people from Starbucks, they have customer service that's built into them. And right? that's so important Yes, for any restaurant, yeah. for any business. So I learned, like, if I hire people that work there, at least I know customer service, they got down. Coffee, I could teach them. Yeah. You know, so I, I did that, and it was like, the light switched like it was two different things yeah but then when that happened that's when covid hit uh, oh yeah so then yeah. covid was the mix of all that right you and know and yeah then, you couldn't be called a, a a mandatory service or necessary service yeah so yeah so shut uh, down yeah yeah exactly. a lot of people don't remember that but everyone had to shut down for for a for a minute yeah and then when that happened my wife and i we were both raised by our grandparents and the, i remember the first thing we saw was that the elderly were afraid to go to H-E-B, mm-hmm. right? They were they were scared. So we were kind of like, we got to do something. We're going to lose our business. You know, no one knows when this is going to... And that's when everyone was like serious. Everyone was like, what's going to happen, you know? So we figured, you know what? We have some savings from the business. Let's just feed who we can, you know, wow. and write this out. And the first day we end up feeding like, I don't remember, 20 people, so what do you mean by that? You're making food and delivering so, it? Yeah, yeah. So the first time I made food and we delivered, and then we started thinking like, well, the third day I was kind of like, hey, if they take medication, they won't be able to, like, I don't know what their diet could be. Maybe mm-hmm. they can't eat this, you know? So then we and then we did, and then we, we brainstormed and we're kind of like, what if we get one to Restaurant Depot and I bought beans, right? Like all the like staples and we made little bags out of stuff, one pound bags and delivered this to those that needed it. Now they don't have to leave toilet paper, all that kind of stuff. Now they don't have to leave, and so they can cook their own thing. groceries, basically. Yes. So then we did that the fourth day, and every day, so the fourth day we and, did. And at that point, you're still. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting, yeah, no, no, but ahead. I want to make sure I understand. So at that point, you're using your personal savings yes. to do this for people. Yeah, because we figured wow. this, this is the end. Like we figured, like we don't know what's going to happen. How long is this going to last? Nothing. 
Yeah. They were terrified to leave. There was no one on the streets, you know. So me and a group of good friends, we got together and we made these bags. Uh, I reached out on Facebook and we had a, a big, big following. You know, hey, who needs food? I don't care who you are, who needs food? Mm-hmm. So the first, like, the first time we did that on the fourth day was like 100 people. The second day was like 300 people. Then I needed volunteer drivers because it was too much for us. So by the end of it, maybe like five or six months into this, we end up feeding more than 70,000 people. Wow. And Emily uh, keeps a track of everything, everyone's mm-hmm. names, all that. So we end up getting it to the state because they came calling once to know what we were up to. Mm-hmm. And then um, out of the blue, maybe a year later, they call us to the Capitol. We got uh, recognized for helping uh, during COVID. That is on fantastic. The, and then the city reached out to us too. And they mm-hmm. were kind of like, uh, yeah, guys, serve more than 70,000 people. And, and it was crazy because... Like halfway, we're like, dude, I have no more money, you know. And someone's all like, just do a GoFundMe. People love what you're doing, so we did, and we end up raising sixty thousand dollars. Oh wow! And all sixty thousand went back into like just buying more product. How how were you finding out who needed food? They they would message us. Okay. And it was people would say, my grandmother or my neighbor over here, and that's all I needed. All I needed was a name and an address. Yeah. How many people? And then and then that's it. And but then through all that, we would meet people that were had it bad already. Mm-hmm. You know, so the people that really had it bad, we'd make another list, you know, and then we'd, we'd reach out to other people that we knew, like, hey, these people don't have any food, you know, or we ran into this lady who were, who, who her husband had died. She was getting a check from the government. She was getting a check from the military, but she also paid for their son's, their son's medication or something. So at the end, she was left with like 20 bucks for the month, you know, and all these people we met, we met were falling through the cracks and the holes of, you know, of our system. So we're kind of, this is what we're seeing. So, you know, we got invited to a lot of like organizations to go talk about what we ran into. And luckily I took a lot of photos. Emily kept, geez, journals of of names and what they were missing and all this stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, and people then that, people that didn't believe us after they saw this stuff, you know, were shook that this was still going on. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it, it was crazy. And after all that, we had lost our first property because of COVID. The one in the south. Yes, okay. and then the second one. Somehow, some way, we just kept on going. But ever since then, we based our 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 business on doing good for the community, and that's when we realized that's what our business is based on on yeah. on community service. That's 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 amazing, and and uh, and so needed. And you guys have a, have a huge heart. Um, you know, I I actually I I, I knew you, uh, but I I didn't know about your wife, and she's kind of an equal partner in your mm-hmm. in your business, right? Oh, she's yeah. the brains. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Emily, it I'm sounds like she's the brains behind yeah, your yeah. business. Yeah, she sounds like a really special person. So that that's amazing. So you got recognized by the state legislature and by the city of San Antonio for uh, what I, I saw somewhere seventy three thousand meals yeah. was kind of the the end. I mean, that's that's just incredible. That's really amazing. And then going back to when you still had the South Side, you also used to hold some some life skills classes there. Yeah, and it's. I have a friend that's a teacher, and he was telling me, like, kids don't know anything about credit. They don't know anything about taxes. They don't know anything about a lot of stuff, you know. And, you know, like I was, like a lot of us, we weren't raised with dads. So I was like, how do you know? Like, how do you, how do you change a tire? Or how do you do any of that? You know, so I got a group of people that I knew, and I was kind of like, yo, I want to teach these classes, you know. And it could be for anybody. It could be any age, you know. So, you know, I had friends that came out, and they taught about how do you start credit? How do you get your first credit card? 
you know, how do you do taxes? You know, um, when you buy a house, what do you need to buy a house? Mm-hmm. Right? When you uh, have friends that that uh, that teach at, at, at SAC, you know, and one of them want to come out and talk about what to expect your first year of college, right? A lot of kids don't make it. Why don't they make it? Well, this is why. You know, so it was things like that. And people just loved it because if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And especially if you're, like, first generation here, mm-hmm. you you really don't know anything. Yeah. You, you need someone to, like, grab you by the hand and show you, like, hey, this is the way it's done. You know, and that's kind of where 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 our hearts were, where it was that, like, yeah. we got to teach somebody. No, that's, you know, I, I've said before, and if Susie were here right now, she would she would back me up on this. One of the biggest surprises, I think, as we've gotten into this restaurant business is the huge hearts that the restaurant community in San Antonio has. Mm-hmm. There's just such wonderful people. You're a wonderful guy, Tattoo, but uh, there's so many different people. We had uh, Alan White. He owns yeah. Sophia's Pizza. We had him as a guest, and he was telling us he does that for his employees, that they don't know how to write a check. They don't know how to open a bank account. He, they don't know how to change the oil in their car or, or even why they need to do it. So he does that for his employee meetings. He has different professionals come in and do a class on on basic things that have nothing to do with the restaurant, but it makes them better people. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. don't leave. They don't yeah. leave. His, his employees stay, and I bet you have the same yeah, situation. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. But that's the thing. People in the restaurant business, I don't know any other business, but in the restaurant business, you know, we're all givers, you know, and that's that, that's who we are, especially chefs. You know, we, you know, we serve people, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to have a big heart. You know, because yeah. you have to be, have a big heart to be yelled at, to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and but it is, you know, I've never met a chef that's not giving or that's willing to take time to, like, help somebody else out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, same same experience. Well, let's move forward to uh, the sections you used to do. This is when I, I already knew your name, but it wasn't until I saw you on KSAT 12. You mm-hmm. had some some cooking sections where you would do some things. Yeah. How did that come about? And what were you doing? Um, so it was uh, they were doing a, a piece on coffee. And uh, the, the 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 guy that was in charge, the producer, uh, thought I was real funny. You know, I wouldn't stop making him laugh. And then he was kind of like, "Have you ever thought about having your own show?" And like I said, I've never been scared of things. You know, and you know, he, he was kind of like, "Come to the come to the come to the station. We'll do a, a a live cast. They see what see how it goes. See if people like you. See if the president likes you, right?" And Emily was kind of like, man, are you nervous? I'm nervous for you. And I was like, nah, I was, uh, I'm not nervous. <laughs> so I go, and I'm just talking to a guy who usually talk, and they fell in love with me. They're kind of like, you remind me of, like, you know, your Mexican uncle, you know, because I'm all seeing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they liked me. And so they they signed me up for a year. I had a year contract with KSAT 12. And um, it was, and my thing was stuff that you could cook that you have leftovers of. Mm-hmm. Because I don't expect you to like rosemary or, you know, whatever it is. Because maybe your palate, you don't know what it is. Or okay. maybe I don't want you to spend five bucks on something you use a little bit of. Yeah. So my thing was, what do you have in there? And what can we make that's better? You know? So all of it's like that. You know? And and it was crazy because during all of that, I got picked up by a cartoon because of my voice. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a cartoon. Called, it's called Bujale. It's made here in San Antonio. It's B-O-O-J-A-L-E. And uh, I'm the voice of one of the characters, and I'm the I'm I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm the drunk, uh, uh, like uncle kind of, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, where, and, where would somebody see this cartoon now? Uh, on YouTube. On uh, YouTube. Yeah, Casey's Twelve. I picked it up. Uh, right now, the producer's shopping it around. Mm-hmm. But um, but for Casey's Twelve, I did that, and 
and it was just my mom was super excited because she was at a at one of her appointments and the TV was on, and the the doctor was all like, "Oh, that guy's funny," and she's that's my son, you know, and she's showing pictures on her phone. <laughs> that yeah. is so cool. Well, that's when I first saw you. You were making the if you remember the stupid enchiladas, yes, oh my know, god, stacked enchiladas. That was yeah. so funny, and it was so interesting. And I'm I've made them since then. Yeah. I followed your direction, and it's crazy because it's a big thing in New Mexico. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. And I'm not from New Mexico. You know what I mean? And I was a kid at that time. You know, so I had so when I made that when we made that video, uh-huh. I had so much, so many emails. Yeah. Hey, that's how we do it back home, you know. And I was all like, Hey man, I'm from Texas. You know? And like I was a kid, I was like fifteen, like I don't know what it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was very well done. I loved it. It was so great. Well, well, I wish you could do some more of those. Maybe you start your own on a you need to start your YouTube channel and oh, just yeah. do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um one thing I learned when I was doing some my, my research is that uh, one year ago next month, you had a pretty bad accident, mm-hmm. your vehicle accident. What happened? Uh, there was a police officer, and he hit me a hit on. A police officer? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and actually, we're still in, in uh, doing our, our our legal stuff. Uh-huh. But we were driving on the access road. Uh, we went to Austin. You know, uh, whenever me and Emma are off, I love to drive. So we'll drive to either the hill country or wherever. This time we decided to go to Austin. There was a pizza place we wanted to go check out. And we were coming back, and I told Emily, hey, I want to drive the access road all the way back home. You know, so we were in Kyle, and... And just because you like to look around and yeah, drive yeah, slow yeah. and enjoy yeah, your yeah, ride? Yeah, 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 okay. exactly, and enjoy myself. And yeah. we're coming up to an intersection in Kyle, and all I remember seeing was the police officer jump the curb and then come head on. So what happened was I had a green light, so we're all going... I guess he had his lights on and no one was moving on that side. So he had to go around everybody. Mm. And then when he came off to come back onto the road, I was already like there. So I tried to swerve and he ended up, hit, he ended up hitting, hitting me first and spun our spun our Jeep around. And luckily we had a Jeep. The Jeep was like enforced like crazy. So I was banged up pretty bad. Emily was good for a little bit. She just had like some back stuff that was that was going on. But man, I got so much PTSD from that. Like driving through intersections got me. Mm-hmm. Driving for a while got me. Like I couldn't even like, like get it together while driving. Yeah. And then the week later, my son, my youngest son, was in a car accident. He was he was same thing. Him and his friend were driving the country. Uh, they were in uh, Floresville, and some lady in a truck wasn't paying attention was just driving, and he was going. And she, he had a a little car, but his little car had all these safety things. So it was like a little bubble, like that yeah. protected them, you know. Yeah. But cars were uh, made pretty well nowadays. They oh, a lot yeah. of safety technology. So many, you yeah. know, and we were just fortunate that our cars had so many safety things. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. Well, that's uh, that's too bad, but I'm glad that you ended up okay, and you know, and 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 that Emily's good as as well. So uh, yeah, you just never know. Things happen so fast. Yes. Interesting. One thing we didn't cover, and I don't know anything about it: tattoos, food debauchery. What is that? So when we started, I wanted to do something with food, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. This You already had the coffee shop at this no, point? No, this was before the coffee oh, shop. Oh, before, okay. Yeah, this is when we first started. And oh, I skipped so, way ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. So back. I used to be a part, oh, I still have, oh, there's a group of us, and we have a, a, a pop-up group that we've had for 10 years, and it's called the Cocineros. And the Cocineros, uh, we did it every other month, and we would choose a time, a year, and we'll do the food for that, you know? And it was cool because for us, it wasn't about making money. Our thing was just 
cooking for people and showing what we could do. Mm-hmm. The last dinner we had was the Titanic dinner. <laughs> so we found exactly what the, I found the menu. Yeah. We sourced everything. You know, it was a hundred bucks. Uh, it was 17 courses. You wow. Know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. So when I, when, when I ended up doing uh, the food debauchery, I kind of want to have a mix of a lot of stuff. So I did like date nights. Mm-hmm. So people would hire me to go cook at their house for date night. I would cook for them and their, you know, significant other, you know, um, I would teach classes, mm-hmm. you know, and debauchery was just because I wanted everything to deal with food, yeah. but I didn't want just like one thing for food, yes. you know, yeah. uh, I had a, we had a, man, we did fit meals for a while, you know, I want to show, showcase that fit meals could be, you know, delicious, mm-hmm. not just healthy, but delicious as Absolutely, well, Absolutely, yeah. you know, so that's kind of what we did, you know, it was, and debauchery was that, it was just Everything has to do with food. <laughs> That's so clever. I love it. Well, uh, Tattoo, you're a lot of fun, and you a lot of got a lot of cool things going on. And I'm so glad that you came. I'm so honored that you would come and sit here with me and, and chat for, uh, God, we are already going on 40 minutes. Jeez. <laughs> Time flies. Man, this is so much fun. <laughs> will you come back? Yes, of course. Awesome. Ne- next time you come back, Susie will be here, and we can add her her wit and charm to the, to the conversation. We need some well. of that. Yeah, I, we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, one thing we didn't cover, and I'm going to get there real quick. Um, at, at Folklore's Coffee House, are there, you have sandwiches and foods and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So we do like little sandwich stuff. Uh, our, our coffee shop's more of a grab and go, mm-hmm. it's real small. Um, but yeah, um, we, we have like uh, twice a month, we have a brunch that we do with all our neighbors. And then um, whenever I feel like being fancy, you know, I'll cook some, some crazy stuff up, you yeah. know, you know. All right, yeah, so you just stuff. have to keep going and get there at the right time. Exactly. Be, okay, so that's what what it's going to take. You have plans for more or anything different? Or are you no, happy with it? Yeah, no, we're we're looking to expand. You know, we waited, we we waited for you know two years to pass to see how business was. We're doing really great. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're we're looking to the future. You, you know, know I, I live off of sixteen hundred four in Bulverde. You know, don't hate on us. My sister, ciders. my sister in law lives over there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and she's That's always perfect. like, I need you to come over here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll welcome you. That'll be great. All right. So, Folklore's Coffee House is at fifteen twenty six East Grayson Street. Uh, wonderful coffee drinks, just wonderful people, great place to go hang out and you can hang out or get it to go and, and uh, just supporting good people. So uh, also Folklore is, is a San Antonio restaurant, gold approved restaurant. And so they have a couple of perks. They have uh, several perks in the system for just getting a dollar off of any of their coffee drinks right off the bat, a dollar off. So that saves you some money and you use, use it several different times. And then also they have a buy any two coffee drinks, get one free small drip coffee free. I love that drip coffee. Yeah, that's where you get all the flavor, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, wonderful thing. Tattoo, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's it, folks. So we're going to be back again next time. And next time Susie should be back again. And we will do this one more time. So thanks a lot.